It's the Underpowered Hour. This week on the show, we talk about Land Rover Trek 2021. We're joined by Ivan and Dan from the Rover Talk podcast and a very special Land Rover in the movies. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the Solex 32 PBI to Stephen's unadjustable dual Stromberg carburetor arrangement, the leaky SU fuel pump of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. We're back for another show. Great show today. We've got the uh, folks from Rover Talk in our ever-increasing mission to include every podcast about Land Rovers within our podcast about Land Rovers. The Inception episode. (laughs) Russian nesting Inception doll of podcasting. You know, I hate Russian nesting dolls. Why is that? Because they're full of themselves. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And with that, in the news, um, I don't know if you follow it, Ike, but the uh, the Land Rover Trek is on again at the Biltmore Estate, um, the beautiful Land Rover experience at the Biltmore Estate uh, out east. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 80, 80 teams from across the United States trekking. Trekking. And now this, this is uh, related to the bicycle manufacturer? No, it has this nothing is like to an do with advertisement the for the bicycle manufacturer. I don't, I don't believe it has anything to do with the bicycles at all. It's uh, yeah, like no, they're going to get sued using yeah. that name. Trek. It does seem like it would be a trademark issue because there is a yeah, there's adventure the travel wheeled oh. conveyances sort of. Thing. It's true. These are in fact, uh, it says eighty in one press release that I read, but I, I think eighty defenders are all the defenders that are currently for sale in the United States. So they I can't are, imagine. They can't are imagine in short supply. Yeah, yeah, they, they are in short 80. supply. But there is 80 teams competing in a, a sort of preliminary event. It's kind of like the way to describe it is sort of like a diet, caffeine-free version of Camel Trophy. Uh, and it's for the the dealers, for the the staff of the dealers. Although I've seen a few uh, folks, uh, the uh, publisher of Overland Journal, uh, one of the uh, YouTube car personality hosts. Uh, a few of those uh, people are competing on teams. So I'm not exactly sure what the makeup of these teams are. I think it's supposed to be an entirely uh, sort of dealer-based thing. Uh, if so, I, I mean, if there are members of the Land Rover uh, media and press, uh, I, maybe our invite got lost in the uh, in the mail uh, no, or it something. Didn't. No, yeah, it didn't. no, it didn't. They didn't invite <laughs> you. They were, they were like, make I am sure. going. I am going, however. I'm going anyways, yeah. We're going to go anyways, yeah. <laughs> just, because, just because we weren't invited doesn't mean we're, we're not coming. We should, show up with, we should show up with a beat-up old series truck with Trek written on the door. 
yeah, we're just going to do it in Sharpie, <laughs> that big Sharpie, the fat one. We're just going to trek the side of a Series 3, and uh, we'll be fine. We'll do fine. It's going to be great. They, won't they even uh, highlight the, uh, all the off-road equipment. It has every box checked uh, from packages to uh, the winches and uh, traction mats. Of course, you can't, you can't have an off-road vehicle in the modern era without having Max Trax uh, uh, slapped onto the side of it. But it's the P300 Defender, which is kind of interesting. It's not the bigger motor one. It's the, uh, the four-cylinder P300, which actually that's kind of like the one that i i like i think that's the one you should have they wouldn't even recognize me i'll wear a collared shirt and khaki pants oh yeah you'd never know they'd never know they'll just blend right in (laughs) (laughs) it'll be fantastic they're all all of the uh all of the trek defenders are prepared by uh our friends at uh, at lucky eight uh they did all of the outfitting of the the trick now i believe they came orange already are they still are they still waiting on the preparations is that what i'm like i believe they're all finished i believe they were still waiting on them i believe they they were completed they just Uh, got an email that said they were out of stock (laughs) on a part that they ordered two months ago (laughs) (laughs) they're working they're working to complete your order as we speak it's uh you know there's uh there's a lot going on i guess but yeah i don't know it's kind of interesting um same as the i guess later this year they will do a similar thing for the uh, the folks who've bought the trophy edition uh, new Defender, which uh, part my of wife actually saw. She said she saw one on the freeway here in Los Angeles the other day. Uh, there's one in Moab at the the Great American Land Rover Rally that's all right. lifted with big tires on it. That's, that's now that's the gentleman from Denver that did the lift on the on. I, I think I've seen a Defender that they had previously done that whole setup to. It seems sort of not in the spirit of the Land Rover Trophy Edition to go through and do all of that uh, all that to it. Or do you think they just put the wrap on the existing defender that they had already done all that stuff too so that it matches. are we talking about the factory or this guy i don't know maybe this guy <laughs> i mean it is a wrap right it's not a it's not actually painted that it is color. it is so if you get tired of it you can take it you off or it nature will <laughs> or nature or will take care of it for you yeah a yeah. car washer too and, and you'll be fine i'm not sure what the story there is i understand that there's a, a f- like four or five inch subframe lift and then uh it's got like 37 inch tires on it something like that but uh yeah i'm not i'm not sure um whether in the spirit of of camel trophy is the right thing because i'm sure there's probably no cigarettes involved no i don't well maybe you never know i mean you never know Children and cigarettes. That's what Land Rovers are all, all about. But um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. No, I think this is much more lifestyle oriented, sort of like the G4, where you got to do some sure. biking and some kayaking and uh, navigation, camping, you know, navigation. There's lots of navigation involved. I believe you have to set up and operate a snow cone business uh, for, for a couple of hours. Um, there's, uh, it's like the weaving. apprentice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, just like, like the apprentice. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. No, it's exactly Go right. Go down yeah. to Times Square and sell pretzels. Yeah, exactly. So, But you have to do it with the, the Defender. You have to do it out of the back of the Defender. Out of the back of the Defender, the pretzel wagon each, edition. They uh, convert each Defender into a food truck and uh, have to make uh, back uh, yeah, their initial investment by, by later that day. Well, I can't wait to see it. For one. Yeah, it's going to be great. So uh, this afternoon, we've got uh, our good friends, Ivan and Dan, joining us from the uh, Rover uh, Talk uh, podcast. Uh, Dan, of course, a prolific, if you will, uh, commenter on Bring a Trailer. So we're definitely going to talk about uh, his relationship with that website. Polarizing figure in the internet auction community. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is which is what <laughs> we bring you the hard hitting interviews here. That's uh, we are the we're the Larry King. We're the shriveled leather handbag of interviewers uh, uh, for sure here on the Underpowered Hour. So we, we uh, need some Stephen uh, intros. That's what we need. We need some yeah. Stephen intros. <laughs> more more intros. Uh, so let's rev up the uh, the interview machine here. Uh, I believe uh, we're uh, we're running it on a. Uh, on a mix of uh, 90 weight and uh, chocolate jello pudding mix today. I think so, they're uh, they're knocking on the door. I hear them. Let's let, yeah. let's let them in. Okay, well, welcome uh, to Ivan and Dan from the Rover Talk podcast in our uh, endeavor to uh, to deepen our meta podcast within a podcast within a podcast format. Um, we are big fans of your show and uh, and so excited uh, to have you on the show uh, here with us this afternoon. So so welcome guys. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank uh, you. Very excited to to be uh, with you guys as well today. So look forward to it. Nice to have you on the show. I uh, just want to ask you as a first question, like we always do, why Land Rover? Of all the things in the world, why would you pick Land Rover of all brands to be an enthusiast of? And furthermore, how did that you know evolve into a podcast? Well, in my case... I grew up in Spain, and so I remember going to the south of Spain on vacation. And we, uh, my father, used to get lost a lot because there was no there was no Google Maps then. So obviously, we'd go yeah. through lots of little roads and towns. and And I remember seeing all of the series Land Rovers, and for some reason, I just I, I absolutely love them. Little did I know what it involved being a Land Rover owner and enthusiast. I found that out, that out later in life. But um, that was just that was just how it started, and then you know, I funny enough, I, I met Dan, and he has my first uh, classic Range Rover, and uh, we just one day we spent so much time messaging and talking about cars and stuff, and I said, well, why don't we try to put this into a podcast? Maybe we can avoid some pain for some people in some specific things that you want to do as you know, we've been talking about before. So that's kind of how we started our podcast. And then there's people that have called Dan the walking Land Rover encyclopedia. And so I, you know, I use him. As an insult? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it, it depends on who says it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. For me, um, and I've talked about this before, my introduction and obsession came from watching a show as a kid called Emergency. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite characters on there drove uh, a, not a series. And yeah. ever since... Dan, when was Emergency aired? Like, could you give us a time here? Uh, early 70s. For our younger, for our younger <laughs> listeners. Uh, like 74, <laughs> 75. It was early yeah. 70s. And so, you know, I saw his truck and I'm like, I've never seen that type of truck before. Um, it looks pretty awesome. And pretty much ever since then, I've pretty much been obsessed with, uh, Land Rover series. And, um, since that basically was the only ones, you know, you could get, uh, for the longest time, mm -hmm. it just kind of stuck. Very cool. So what, it brings the natural, the sort of natural next question is, as most people with a, a serious Land Rover uh, habit, addiction, whatever you want to call it, uh, have had more than one Land Rover in their lifetime and, and traditionally have more than one Land Rover at any given time. Um, so what Land Rovers have you guys had uh, in the past? And if you had to pick your favorite Land Rover, it doesn't have to be one that you uh, have owned, but what, what's your sort of favorite, the most iconic one that you've owned or that you love? 
Well, for for me, it'll always be probably my very first one, and I still own it. And that's my RLS or my Marine Blue Series Three. Um, I've had many series from twos, two A's, and the three is the one that I've just uh, narrowed it down to, and I love. Um, but for me, probably my favorite is probably going to be the Range Rover Classic for me. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so iconic. Um, it's timeless. The design is brilliant. You know, not obviously electrically or certain things, but the design itself. <laughs> a lot of that is It's electrically timeless. very dated. but <laughs> I run six pretty much every day uh, as as much as I can, but the Classic will always be my favorite. I love pain and torture. So the only one I haven't mm-hmm. had is a defender. Everything else I've had oh, have and had. There you go. And so, I've and I've pain had and torture uh yeah is on in, offer in the defender, no question. <laughs> I've had two NOS and have dumped both the NOSs because I'm yeah just yeah. No. no, I've I've had everything except for no, I haven't had a series one. I, I and and again, I love pain and torture. So I've had every iteration of the classic Range Rover with every single engine sure. and gearbox Excellent. combination. If you if you haven't had a series one, have you had a Land Rover? <laughs> well, here's the thing: I just haven't. I can't seem to find one that's bad enough to buy. Oh, he's oh, got a bunch of them. Come visit. Yeah, I got a bunch of horrible cars. <laughs> I've tried. Uh, my favorite yeah. My favorite I, also is the Classic. Yeah, I had a Classic for, uh, just recently sold it, finally. I had a Classic back uh, in uh, Canada. It was uh, it was a great car. Um, I had it for a little while. That car, unfortunately, then got uh, stolen and, and blown up, uh, burned to the ground. But, uh, but found one very similar to it uh, down here. Had it for quite a while, but unfortunately, I have a finite amount of space and... Uh, and it was it was too much. It had power windows, so it had to go. Unfortunately, I couldn't. Uh, I don't know how to operate power windows. Only the slidey kind. So uh, it had to uh, it had to go. But uh, but yeah, I love. I agree with you guys. I I really do love the the classic Range Rover. And that's sort of. I mean, if if you were to sort of say an area of expertise, maybe that you guys uh, possess at a, a higher level than your average Land Rover owner, it seems from the stuff you talk about on the show and uh, and the cars that you have. Have that the the classic Range Rover is really uh, you know obviously something you're passionate about, but sort of something you specialize in well in as well, yeah. Well, I think it also you know as we know, like there's a lot of similarities between the early discos and the Range mm-hmm. Rover, which it helps as well to like be able for a person like me that's obviously not as mechanically brilliant as as Ike, so. Um, for me to be able to, well, <laughs> for mean, me, you gotta, you know, to me, to be able to heavily qualified, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for me to be able to, to laterally have that sort of knowledge between two different marquees that are very different aesthetically, but mechanically operate essentially the same for me, it, it, it makes it a lot more enjoyable as well. In my case, yeah. it's kind of been repetition because I've had so many of them that, you know, I, I already, the only thing, I mean, I, I still discover new problems that, I, that I'm unable to solve. But, you know, from the get-go, right. I've just had so many of them that I've had to learn. Right. Well, I think the the Range Rover Classic from the factory was considered just a replaceable part, the whole, oh. the entire car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. At some point. 
I actually, I don't know if you guys know this, I had a Range Rover Classic. Unfortunately, I um, I was driving it one day and uh, I went into a, a movie theater to see a movie and I left it parked outside and uh, when I came back, um, there were two of them. Somebody had left another one. <laughs> 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 that's actually not true but uh, i have had a range rover classic only one it was a 1977 two-door and uh it was a great car it was, it was super cool but the reason i really liked it was because it didn't have any of the sort of problematic things that the u.s market cars have uh, you know it had manual windows and sliders on the rear it was it was a manual transmission which yeah, is no sunroof. which <laughs> is why I love my classic is because it's it's manual, no sunroof, two doors, to diesel. Oh, which cool. you know I'm a diesel guy, so yeah, those are great cars. And I think the the market, and this is something that uh, that that you guys definitely talk about a lot, and and a little bit. I don't know if you would say the theme of your show is the sort of uh, the value of those cars, especially the two door. Seems the the fewer doors they have, the more valuable they are. Uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to Range Rovers, which is maybe not necessarily the the case with series cars, but certainly with Range Rovers, have you guys seen over the last five ten years uh, a significant increase in the in the value of those cars, or is that something that you know is is more recent than that? Even that it's it's uh, you know it's a it's a more short term thing. For the most part, it's going to be uh, more recent in the sense that you know we've only just started to get. A lot of them legally able to be, mm-hmm. you know, imported. You know, sure, you could get like the suffixes, the early ones like I had uh, in, but it hasn't been until recently until you're able to, especially like the discos and then the the classics, uh, being able to legally import them fairly easy. Whereas, you know, ten years ago, like you rarely, you rarely saw like a classic come. Yeah, th- th- there's been there's definitely been an increase in the market as in the past, I'd say, 24 months. And prior to that, it's just been climbing. I think they're kind of reaching that age where a lot of the people that that saw them when they were young and, you know, when they were, like, mm-hmm. in, you know, they were 10, 15, 16 years old, they were like, oh, you know, the Range Rover Classic. And now it's coming around to a point where they find themselves with a little bit more cash in their pocket. And they're like, oh, I want to have that one. And then they discover, right. oh, that was one with two doors. And, and it came with a manual transmission, if they know how to drive a manual transmission. And then they find out that, you know, on some of the early ones, you have to cut out the roof to replace the sunroof. And they're like, oh, I don't like this car that much anymore. But but yeah, there's definitely been an increase. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. Well, and do you think that, you know, part of that is the rise of the uh, of the online uh, car sale, niche car sale websites, obviously, bring a trailer you guys are are very uh, familiar with uh, obviously but cars and bids things like these sort of these sort of niche sites where it's not just eBay with a billion different random things from all over the world but it's very targeted it seems as though you know and and especially bring a trailer specifically is very targeted at the sort of semi casual collector market something that is is not a you know bonhams auction or something that is uh, you know a very uh, very high end sort of thing but is a more and now of course there are plenty of high end cars on there but it started as more of a casual collector uh, sort of website what are your what are your thoughts on those what do you think about the you know those websites and what they're doing to the sort of market so far as pricing is concerned and i know you have opinions i sold my it. first car on bring a trailer when they used to do only eight cars per week and auctions would start on wednesday and end on wednesday or, or, or i think they ended they started on thursday and ended on wednesday yeah and 
I found that it was a it was a cool avenue because it was, it was the first time. So when you had eBay, you had to stick to the description, try to contact the seller who half of the times was from a Nigerian prince. And then uh, people were very dishonest in the way that they described cars. And then at the same time, yeah. you know, bring a trailer gives you gives you that that open dialogue where if you sell a car and you don't answer, you're looking bad because you're looking shady. Yeah. So it makes sellers be yeah. more involved with the process. And I and the amount of pictures too, the fact that you know you can't submit four crappy pictures and post it. So I I think that's opened up for a lot of people that are non that are that maybe weren't into the collector car market or maybe just didn't know how to go about buying a car. Right? They were like, oh, sure, well, right. I yeah. love this car, but where, where do I get it? Do I go to Craigslist? Do I go to Facebook Marketplace? Do I go? And I I think those have definitely given and they've kind of revolution. Everything's gone you know digital now. So even I know the all you know the big houses like Sotheby's and RM are. Or, and Mecham are suffering because, of course. And then the yeah. other the other side of it's the commission. You know, bring a trailer charges minimum a hundred bucks to the seller, and that's it. And they charge five percent to the buyer, up to five grand. I think they still keep that. And I think that's kind of reasonable. You know, and if you go to another auction house, they're going to charge eight to ten to fifteen percent to the buyer and seller, and you know that raises the price almost thirty percent. So I think. In yeah. that, on that regard, it's been good. And what do you think it's doing to prices of those kinds of cars? Do you think it's, you know, the, the market would be the same temperature it is right now without those? Or has it has it heated up the market significantly because they're sort of uh, only a click away from that, uh, you know, $80,000 Series 3 that's been chromed out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How long do you have? <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you know, Obviously, I was on Bring a Trailer hot and heavy for like three and a half years, and then recently kind of walked away. Um, I don't think it's, I don't, you know, Bring a Trailer, for example, really isn't the barometer of really how the market is because you you would have to you would have to kind of look across the board with with Doug's site, which has mm-hmm. kind of come on, you know, pretty strong, and if you strictly yeah, take yeah. if you strictly take brings versus cars and bids there's a huge difference between what each of those marquees bring on Doug's site which we all know mm-hmm. is one of the most uh outspoken persons about their love for for land rover and has been for for years yeah what yeah. they're realizing and what bring a trailer is realizing are totally different uh market so i don't think um the it's universal across all these these websites you know bring a trailer obviously had a jump on this sort of you know thing they've been doing it uh for years and then obviously when hearst bought them and Mm -hmm. gave randy a lot of money actually in hindsight it's not a lot of money but um you know it it just changed things i just think overall that market is overinflated on some websites versus the what the reality is and i don't know how you guys i mean are you i know you guys have talked about certain results and are shocked as as much as i am i just think 
it's a bit overinflated. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, and Ike and I have talked about it, it feels like a great place for a seller to uh, offload a, a car, and, and they seem to be making a lot of money. Um, but I'm not sure it's necessarily the first place that I would encourage someone, uh, you know, to go to, uh, you know, to find, a, 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 you know, a series car or something like that. But, uh, you know, to, to each his own, I suppose. Well, see, that that's, I think, I think you're, you're spot on there. I think the issue is that, or the issue or the aspect that's going on is that we have a lot more people that weren't in the traditional classic car. Like we've, you know, we, we will dig to the bottom of the earth to find a car and, you know, you'll call on that. You're, you contact that Facebook marketplace, Nigerian prince and say, Hey, you know, I, oh, yeah. you know, and you'll take the risk of going to the shoddy area of town to go see it. Cause it might be that, you know, you might find that deal For in sure. that car. I mean, yeah. we've all, we've all done that and been there, but I think with bring a trailer, I think it's just opened up to, uh, more people and so it's kind of for me it's yeah. just kind of hard to define the market right now it's i mean is it it's not your traditional enthusiast because you know sometimes you wouldn't go to mark to bring a trailer to buy a car because you think that the price might be too high and so i don't it's just hard to define i think it's just opened up those sites as well as doug have opened up to just more people yeah which i think is in yeah. in, the, in the end game is good I think that in generally speaking, the internet is not reflective of the entirety of the classic car market. You know, the best, most interesting, coolest, best condition cars generally don't sell in that format. They sell to friends or family members. Yeah, I would call you and be like, hey, I know you're in this. Can you direct me to a really solid vehicle? I'm not going to buy it from a stranger especially if I'm going to lay down some cash, like I want to, I want to know. So I'm going to go to a friend or I'm going to go to one of you guys and be like, look, lead me in a direction that I'm going to get a good, you know, a good solid vehicle and I'll pay more if it's, you know, if it's worth it. Except for when I sell it to Dan, then he doesn't pay more. He pays less. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think that you know you've got these sorts of cars that lie outside the fringes of you know your bring a trailers or eBay's or those sorts of things. Sort of your, you know, your project vehicles that are found on the side of the road, and so those aren't really those don't really turn up on the bring a trailer type websites. And then you've got the cars that are really special, really good. Those don't really turn up on bring a trailer. So it seems like the cars that are 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 on those auction sites are sort of the you know, middle of the road cars, or maybe it's a nice car, but it's not super special. It just kind of like, eh, it's okay. And so it distorts people's idea of the spectrum of vehicle conditions that are available. And I would say most people that are bidding on those auctions and most people that are commenting on those auctions are not, you know, well-educated in the mark. And so they're, they're saying, saying things that are, you know, maybe not true, or they're saying a car is nice when it's not, or maybe they're saying it's not nice when it is sometimes. Um, and there's a lot of emotion that goes around with that too. You know, somebody asked me specifically to comment on one at one time and I made a comment on the car. I was like, Oh, the VIN number of this car does not match the type of car that that is. Maybe that would be important to someone that's, that's bidding. And, uh, I got a I got somebody that called me at like midnight and uh, and and threatened and threatened me uh because of that comment. People are crazy. 
Yeah, and I'm still I'm sorry about that, Ike. It just seemed at the time like it was uh, the right thing to do. So it was but, one of Stephen's uh, friends. Yeah, was one of my friend is a strong. Let's not go there. Best uh, friend, sorry, an acquaintance. Uh, <laughs> certainly, uh, yeah, certainly. Now he and Ike are very very close. Uh, he's probably parked outside the house right now we're gonna we're gonna adjust we're gonna adjust some carburetors later (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) give that carburetor a little adjustment we're gonna take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor and now back to the show all right so guys let's talk a little bit about uh about the show a little bit more about the show so your common interest in uh in the the mark and back and forth kind of got you into it so what were you know some of the things it's obviously not easy to necessarily just say hey uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast although it's a lot easier now than it maybe was uh you know three or four years ago or certainly 18 months ago uh there's been a lot of development over everybody's captivity but um you know what uh what are what are some of the challenges that you guys faced and topics and that sort of stuff. Talk a little bit about sort of bringing the show to life in the first place. So we, we had an, we had an original idea where we thought we could help kind of, um, to a certain degree, especially Dan, share a little bit more of our knowledge, both on the technical side and both on identifying, you know, proper Range Rovers. So I buy a, a lot of them, well, Range Rovers and Land Rovers. I buy a lot of Land Rovers in Europe. And so the European mm-hmm. spec is always got its little quirks and a little bit in its differences. And a lot of people, a lot of times I find that when you talk to people about certain cars, they didn't, they don't know that they, that there's versions like Tudor versions exist, like the Tudor disco or, you know, the, the suffix models or the different engines and iterations of the engines and, and gearboxes and stuff. And then we work on, you know, we work on cars a lot. Dan helps me out a lot with stuff that I got to, that I have to do. And, and so we, we kind of, you know, we, we've taken out the steering box of one same Range Rover four times. And so we thought, you know what, maybe we could share some like little tips here and help people out that are wanting to do this in their garage. And instead of, you know, giving 1500 bucks to a shop, if you want to replace the steering box in your Range Rover four times, here's what you do. Here's what you do. <laughs> and, and, and without losing fingers, which is, you know, key because right. yeah. you can't yeah. get those back. Exactly. So that was kind of what guided. And then, so we went through, uh, we, you know, we planned out a, a first season where we went through kind of, you know, the basic models we did, you know, series and specifically series two and series three and, and the Range Rover, the, the, the Defender, the Discovery. And so that was kind of what guided us. And then we, we enjoyed doing it. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think we came out with something that was relatively interesting in terms of the feedback that we got from people. And then we started going more into detail. So we tried to switch on, you know, often often back from model specific information to a little bit more technical or when we're working on something that, you know, is a pain in the ass, like a steering box, then we go into it a little bit with detail and kind of stick to those, those types of tips and tricks. And then we, do you have like an accompanying YouTube video or something? I feel like a lot of people, no, we're going to do do that because we kept Mm -hmm. doing, um, all these little projects. And then it's always like an afterthought, you know what? I should have filmed that. Like I was right before the show, I was, I was explaining to Ivan about how you reset your brake light on L three two twos. I know that's probably not your thing, but instead of taking it to a dealership to have them reset the brake light, you know, that's on your dash. 
you know, I showed them a little trick and I'm like, you know, that's stuff like that, that we have to have like little YouTubes, because if anything, I mean, people everywhere are like, why isn't there like a video on how to jack up this car when, you know, and we just we thought about doing that. We just yeah. haven't gotten around to it. But. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of makes that have really good sort of YouTube communities. Uh, my good friend Chris is uh, working on a classic mini, a '60s mini right now. And I, you, funny you said, you know, there was a, a video on how to jack it up without like splitting the car in half, which is a uh, you know which is a common problem. <laughs> with that. So uh, so yeah, it's a good point. And then for and the other thing that we really wanted to cover with the Rover Talk is debunking myths on on engines and and engines that get a bad rap like you know i love the vm engine everybody on the planet hates it but Mm -hmm. you know it's an engine that i absolutely love and i drive a 200 tdi every day but there's just something about a vm that is just the best but it gets a bad rap so it (laughs) so as you guys know, I'm a diesel guy, so I love yeah. the TDIs. I don't particularly care for the 300, mainly because it has, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of extra electrical doodads, and mm-hmm. I'm not that, ele- will, br- that, I'm, that I'm, will break. That will break, and I'm not an electrical guy, so I like I like as stuff as simple as a series. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. a little bit more modern, and the VM compared to the 200 or 300 is has way more um it, i refer to it as a lot more spry it's just a lot quicker it's faster um you know the, it shares the same transmission it, they all share like the lt77 and that not early 90s between the discos and the range rover um but there's just something about the the vm maybe because i i upgraded the cooling system but um it just it drives just a lot quicker than you know a tdi i had a friend with a six cylinder vm diesel in his 109 military uh truck and it was uh sprightly yeah. mm-hmm. good, good it's it, it's a higher compression engine and the, the the i mean we all know what happens is it has four independent heads who someone decided instead of putting one i'm going to put four on there so there's more opportunity for that to warp but mm-hmm. i i kind of agree with dan and i agree with him i was never a diesel guy but i started buying diesel cars and then i've you know just kind of love them now but here's the thing yeah. i've never had issues with the heads of a of a vm engine and it's all about how mm-hmm. you know what you're buying like what a obviously a tdi can take a lot more crap and a lot more misuse and a lot more deferred maintenance a vm can't mm-hmm. but if you buy a vm that you have a little bit of a service history on and you you're diligent about the cooling system you know you're going to get mm-hmm good miles out of it yeah so we just really yeah. wanted to debunk a lot of you know myths about that's that's why we never talk about good electricals <laughs> those there's no myths there that's all true uh, everything you've ever heard it's all true it's all true yeah anything so well that's cool so in addition to the youtube uh stuff or hopefully some videos coming out what are some other things that you guys are working on for uh future episodes uh of uh, robert talk where do you want it to to go in the future well, we, 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 we have this plan, which we're, we, we need to get back onto was we, we wanted to buy any, any Land Rover for mm-hmm. like 2,500 bucks or, or mm-hmm. at, at top three. And yeah. in the city of Chicago, which you, I'm sure you yeah. all know has a horrendous climate, yeah. daily drive it and see what happens. Yeah. 
and just like tackle and just to, and but do not a <laughs> but not a P thirty eight. You're right, exactly. Yeah, ride along series, a daily auto blog on uh, driving a series around uh, around uh, Chicago. My uh, my uh, former partners were uh, all from Chicago, so uh, listening to your podcast is very accent reminiscent of uh, of my with the with the former gang so it's uh yeah it really brings me back i feel like chicago is just an extension of gary indiana <laughs> yeah, and you know it, it, it very, it very well exactly. could be and so guys so just as we sort of uh come close uh to the uh to the end here uh you know obviously the rover top podcast but where can people find you where else in the world uh uh not necessarily surfing the uh, comment section of uh, bring a trailer anymore but uh where else uh where else can you guys be found so i'm on Instagram, of course, Wagon Boy TD, and I for some reason have the 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 most horrible Instagram S R I twenty four oh five, which nobody could remember. I can't even remember sometimes, but that's where you find us. Hopefully, you'll also find us find us soon on on Rover Talk Reels, which is what we had designed to do or to be our YouTube channel, which we have to get started. and And I actually have some cool. videos because I've got um, I've got a I bought a couple of months ago a one hundred nine pickup in Spain. And I've decided that it needs a 200 TDI engine in it, and it's going to sure. be completely restored and and with some little custom touches, some upgrades, and and uh, hopefully that I've got some starting videos on that to you know the the base of the project, which was a truck that you know all all four of us would have happily bought for the price that I paid for it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see the progress of that because I think it's kind of a cool project that that that'll turn out really nice uh, and the podcast is uh, is available wherever fine podcasts can be so podcast free, uh, is available on everything on apple Podcasts, on spotify and if you want to go to Simplecast, you can get directly the link there um you can find it you can basically find us anywhere you just have to look rover talk and it will show up we'll pictures of one of our old range rovers and that's uh that's us we we're, we're we're not very good about putting out episodes on a regular basis so maybe we'll do a bunch in in a month and then we'll spend a couple months without. But, you know, we, we try to get to it whenever we can. And then we have an email, which is uh, we just opened up a Gmail account, which is robertalk55 at gmail.com in case anybody wants to send us. And we take all sorts of criticism, especially the bad type. So we're OK. The criticism line. Good to know. We, uh, yeah, we, uh, we're going to forward our criticism line to that email. Actually, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> we'll, we'll respond to it too. Let us know. Yeah, just we'll respond with whatever you feel like. That's uh, totally, totally fine. Like, like Ike's full voicemail uh, box. You're welcome to call him. But you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's especially once he comments uh, on bringing a trailer. Yeah, that's exactly that one time, man. And Jesus, yeah, it's still still living it down. Um, so we come to the part in uh, every interview uh, that uh, I look the most forward to. Uh, Hurry, which is the uh, <laughs> exactly the uh, the lightning round uh, featuring questions uh, prepared earlier today by our good friend Ike Goss. Now, Dan, you want to go first, and then I we can go. Okay, all right. Are you ready, Dan? Yep. All right, here goes. I know the answer to this one before I ask it. Gas or diesel? Diesel. Soft top or hard top? Hard top. Coils or leaves? Hurry. Leaves. <laughs> LED or incandescent? Incandescent. Best way to remove 90 weight from your underwear? Oh, my God. <laughs> Take them off? I don't know. All right. Right hand drive or left hand drive? Right hand. Carb or EFI? Carb. Java green or Tambora orange? Java. NAS or Eurospec? Euro. All right. 
All right. All right. Tap Ivan. Tell him to put his headphones back on. All right. I'm ready. All right, Ivan. Well, you're, you're, it's a stiff competition. Uh, Dan got them all right. <laughs> you ready, Ivan? I'm ready. All right. Gas or diesel? Diesel. Soft top or hard top? Hard top. Coils or leaves? Leaves. LED or incandescent? Incandescent. I don't like to, I don't like to see. <laughs> Best way to remove 90 weight from your underwear? <laughs> Throw it out and buy a new one. <laughs> right hand drive or left hand drive? Left hand drive. Carb or EFI? EFI. And I know I'm not going to be popular. Java green or Tambora orange? Java, Java green. NAS or Euro spec? Euro always. All right. All right. We know what kind of car you're going to get. You're going to have a leaf, a leaf sprung EFI Java green. Euro spec. <laughs> yeah, Freelander. Yeah. Freelander. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Freelander. We got it. We, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, uh, we had uh, John and the gang on from uh, the Center Steer podcast, again, in our endeavor to have every podcast about Land Rovers nested in our podcast. Um, and uh, his first car was a, was a, a freelander this is his first land rover to think that an entire uh you know a podcast uh, empire could spring from a freelander was amazing what a revelation yeah i, I know and, and he actually like and it's amazing that he actually wanted to actually have more land rovers after that although i have to say that's what we said more freelander but i am looking for a 97 freelander but Dan, I, have to, I have to wait a year i'm told yeah there's seven uh in existence uh, <laughs> that are still running so. they're really hard to find well i'm sure i'm gonna find one for dan i just don't know what i mean i'm just I, i'm just hoping that it comes off the boat and it starts or, or it doesn't fall apart till it gets you know here to chicago whatever you find he has to drive for a year in chicago that's the uh, i think that's the deal i can't can't wait to tune into this, uh, you know, this ongoing series yeah, of Dan digging his Freelander out of various snowbanks all over the pushing Chicago the Freelander, yeah, pushing the Freelander. I can't wait. Well, guys, it has been uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, please, you're welcome to come on the show anytime and chat about, uh, you know, Dan's Freelander or whatever it is that uh, that you guys are up to. Uh, happy to have you again. And uh, thanks for having stay, us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Stay safe and uh, good luck out there. Great to have you. Absolutely. Right. Bye, guys. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was fascinated by the fact that they both, you know, their favorite vehicle in the Land Rover lineup was a classic Range Rover. And in the lightning round, both of them picked leaves over coils. That was, That's true. Uh, that, that was pretty interesting. The pressure of the lightning round will, uh, will reveal... Gets to people. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. right. That's where your where your heart truly lies. But uh, yeah, fun to have them on. Have a little bit different perspective than uh, than what we're used to. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I um, you know, I know that, like I said, the the classic Range Rover community. It is a vibrant and uh, dedicated bunch of folks there that uh, that love those cars. And hey, I love I love my any classic Range Rovers I've ever had. I like them very much as well. I mean, yeah. if you like tiny plastic clips and uh, fixing electrical switches and like uh, contact cleaner and uh, I. Love you know, cracking old leather, like it's it's the car that you yeah. want. It does have us. Every one of them smells the same. There's a particular Mold. like vintage leather. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's what it is. That's what oh. it is. It's mold oh. from a leaking sunroof. Oh. Exactly. Oh. Well, that makes so much more sense now. It explains. Uh, it explains the uh, the array of respiratory uh, ailments. Oh yeah, has that uh, that a- mycelial afternote? Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's a nice. Oh, yeah. uh, and actually, many of the cushions can be boiled uh, and are uh, are calcium rich. So you know, if uh, in a disaster situation, not to be used as a flotation device. Not to be used. Certainly not. <laughs> the entire car, like I said.
said, the entire car <laughs> is considered a replacement part by, uh, from the factory. So, uh, so before we go, we had a, a quick Land Rover in the movies because we haven't done one in, in such a long time. And uh, the folks, uh, especially the, you know, the kids, they love the Land Rover in the movies uh, segment. This week, uh, what, did the, uh, what did the Land Rovers in the movies uh, ge- generator <laughs> pop out uh, this week? We have another B-movie for you. It's A Mighty Joe Young. And uh, I think this and was... And this was uh, the classic Mighty Joe Young, not the one that was like... It was Jack Black in a Mighty Joe Young one recently. Was he... That would be King Kong. Uh, that would be King Kong, which oh, is guess. almost but not quite the same thing. It is also it's about, about a giant monkey, right? It is, but it's is King Kong is bigger than Mighty Joe Young. Mighty How Joe Young bigger? is like a large gorilla, and King Kong is a ginormous gorilla. <laughs> this is a movie. I otherwise there's time. no difference in the storyline. <laughs> it's literally the scale of monkey that you're into. I'm sorry, gorilla that you're into. So if you're like, listen, it is too unbelievable to have a giant gorilla. Mm. What was? Well, but if one was just abnormally large that that's a movie i can get behind yeah yeah i think mighty joe young is a is, it's a remake of a classic from the 30s and uh i think that the original may have come out before king kong so oh. in, in you know king kong became really popular and mighty joe young maybe wasn't as as I popular see. but it came first and so somebody saw mighty joe young and then like, you know what we need is a bigger monkey it's a and bigger monkey was, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. You you know, our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, they did a remake in the 90s. And, uh, you know, you can understand what happens. You know, giant gorilla gets loose and causes havoc. And at one point, they try to catch the gorilla. And uh, I think the bad guys maybe have, uh, or maybe it's the good guys. I don't know. A team of people who are trying to capture the monkey. They, the gorilla, excuse me. The, the great for ape. any of our monkey uh, for any of our monkey listeners uh, yes apologize. yes so uh, they're trying to capture this uh, animal and they have Land Rovers that were supplied by British Bulldog I believe uh, which uh-huh. is a Land Rover reseller yeah, of, of uh, questionable repute yeah in and the, a famous uh, a famous uh, WWF wrestler as well in the uh, mid '90s, the uh, yeah, British also Bulldog, a famous wrestler in the mid '90s. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. not going to talk about wrestling, no, no matter how much you want me to. So uh, they're trying to they're trying to capture this creature, and uh, they throw ropes out of the vehicles, mm-hmm. and uh, the well, I won't ruin it for you, but to suffice to say, some some Land Rovers are damaged in the process of filming, oh, and uh, uh, you know, there's a series uh, two, two A, and then mm-hmm. there's a one hundred one four control. There's there's Ooh. several Land Rovers, and they appear in a few times throughout the movie. Um, yeah, kind of a neat little blurb. You could probably just watch that segment on YouTube if you're not in the mood for a, you know, a Hollywood early generation of CGI. Oh, mm. it is, there is CGI. So is but is the monkey CGI or it's a, it's got to be a guy in a suit? It isn't. It is. It is. I think it's CGI. I think it's oh like early CGI. Sort of same generation as, uh, you know, a Jurassic Park, maybe. Something oh, like okay. that. So All it's right. kind of like, eh, it's, 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 it's passable, but it's not. Well, this is like a larger than average monkey done with like meh, reasonable CGI. You're really selling it. But there is a 101. There is a 101. There and, is a 101. Uh, and, and possibly 90s wrestler, uh, the British Bulldog. There uh, is. I can't. There is can't don't confirm or that deny reason. that the ultimate warrior uh, may also be <laughs> uh, may also he, be in the film. He's the head ranger. Yeah, there you go. The ultimate warrior. Yeah, you see, That's you're kind of talking about wrestling. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to draw you. I slipped. I slipped. I'm not going to do it. Our, 
once I start talking about 90s wrestling, he can't stop. It's a weird thing. It's like a, yeah, it's a compulsion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Just recently passed away. Just recently passed away. Very, yeah, he had a heart any, attack any wrestler, while driving. Any, any wrestler, you can say. Just said they true. just recently passed away. Yeah, it's too bad. It's All too right. Bad. Well, this has been uh, this has been a great it <laughs> movie been, of the week. Uh, it's been a it's been a great one. And uh, as always, we've got some we've got some new stuff coming up on on Patreon in the next uh, in the next month or so. Uh, Ike shot a little bit of content down here before trying to uh, kill himself and Linus on a trip back to uh, Oregon that we're going to uh, that we're going to put out. Uh, shortly, and also some uh, first installments in the uh, Land Rover Book Club. Um, we've got some uh, some books that we've uh, that we've reviewed, uh, or some books that I've reviewed that Ike and I have read, and uh, we're going to throw that up on the Patreon as well. And uh, for those of you who are Patreons, you know that there is an ad-free version of the show available uh, to you through Patreon, so that uh, you don't have to listen to my ad. Although I think it's uh, pretty good, and I do encourage you all to go out and start your own podcast. So it's it's not. Not that great you should definitely join the patreon so you don't have to listen to it all right ike well it has been a pleasure as always uh time to finish off that bag of fritos and uh we will see you uh next week all right it's been great looking forward to it Powered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.